And yet, if I'm going to be honest, it's, one of the, it's the bane of my existence. Um, admittedly, I don't work well when things aren't in order. Yeah? I, I like my routines. I, I like when things are in a neat package. And when things aren't in order, it's chaos in my life. And internally, I just I hyperfixate on the chaos until that mess or that disorder is brought back into order. And my living room this morning tested my ability to deal with chaos and even the depths of my sanctification. In fact, let me say it like this. "'Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. But up at four o'clock, actually 4.45, yes, 4.45, but up at four o'clock came bounding the kids, and the silence that was was gone like the mist." The order that was just hours before, it went out from the house and through the front door. There was paper and wrappings and cardboard abound, and the kids were all screaming, a horrible sound. (laughs) The joy was too much, the cheer was too high. The garbage had reached an unacceptable high. It lay there before me in front of the tree. It was too much to take, it brought me to my knees. So up I jumped with overwhelming delight to clean up that mess and put it out of sight. I breathed a sigh on this Christmas day. The order returned in a less than orderly way. But in all seriousness, let me just switch gears here for a second. For a lot of people, the chaos of Christmas comes with the territory. I mean, you ask the average person on the street what the meaning of Christmas is, and chances are you'll hear something about presents or gifts or giving and receiving gifts and presents, but You know, no doubt there's chaos in deciding what to get, where to go to get your presents. Do you go in person or is it online? And then there's just the chaos of giving, the unwrapping, the cleanup. And then is this the perfect gift? And maybe even regret that the gift you got wasn't the right gift. There's a lot more chaos in Christmas than I think we readily realize. Where's the peace? Where's the hope? Where's the light at the end of the tunnel, people might ask. And and that's the space that I want to focus on today. I want to talk about the one true gift that will give peace, that will give hope. And as Zechariah reminds us in Luke 1, verse 79, how that gift shines light in the darkness and those living in the shadow of death. Now, Jesus is the greatest gift. He is. But I want to break it down even more, and I want to look at at the gift of Christ through three specific gifts. I want to look at the gift from the Father. I want to look at a gift from the Son. And I want to look at a gift from the Holy Spirit. And so over the next 20 minutes or so, I want to look at these three gifts through the lens of three specific passages. And then we'll get out of here, but we'll go on and do whatever we're going to do for the rest of the day. But we need to understand something. You cannot separate the Father from the Son and the Spirit. You can't. And on that day 2,000 years ago, each worked in unison and agreement, and yet each offered a unique gift to mankind through Christ. And so, as we're going to work through this next 20 minutes, there's the three passages that you feel free to write these down. There's Matthew 1, verse 23. Matthew 1, verse 23. Then I'm going to go on to Philippians 2, verses 9 to 10. Philippians 2, verses 9 to 10. And then I'm going to land in John 16, verses 8. Or I guess I should say verse 8, not verses. 
So again, that's Matthew 1, verse 23, Philippians 2, verses 9 to 10, and John 16, verse 8. And so as you're writing and you're getting sorted, let's just, I'm going to dive right in. Uh, I want to show us why Jesus is the best gift to humanity, starting first with the Father's gift to us. So Matthew 1, verse 23 goes like this. This is what Matthew writes. He says, See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which means... God with us. Now let me ask you something. In a completely hypothetical uh, situation, if you could come before God today and say, Lord, here's one thing I would like today on this Christmas day. What what would you ask for? A million bucks? I mean, that'd be awesome. A vacation? I mean, amen, right? (laughs) What about world peace? Goodness knows there's wars and rumors of wars and just chaos all over the world. And then what if he responded and and he said to you, you know what? Here's something better. Here's something better. You you don't need money or a vacation or world peace. No, I'm going to give you a baby. A, A baby. This is the father's gift to us, a child. And it might not be the gift that we expect, but it's the gift that we need. Jesus, the Christ child. It's, it's this Jesus who Luke writes about in chapter 2 that will save his people from their sins. That's me. That's you. That's everyone online across the world. And it's this child that the people will call Emmanuel, which is God with us. But like, just think about that for a second. God with us. The living, breathing, transcendent, majestic, the creator, the sustainer, the author, the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega is with us. 2,000 years ago, he was born. Emmanuel, God with us. I mean, this is the gift from the Father. Right? Like head explosion. He gave himself to us. He stepped into our history. He lived among us. He came into the chaos He experienced what we experience. He identifies with our weakness. And you want to know why this is important? Because we get clarity on what God is like. And you want to know what God is like? Look to Jesus. He's the perfect example of humility, of mercy, of compassion, of love. He's a perfect example of grace and tenderness and kindness and gentleness and patience. And if I could sum it up, if I could sum it up, we have a God who cares. And because he cares, it means that we're valued. Our lives have meaning and purpose. Regardless of how you feel or or what you've done or what you're going to do, you are known by God, Emmanuel, God with us. Every hair on your head is known. Every pain, every hurt, every fear, everything. In fact, he knows you better than you know yourself. And he knows that the answer deep down to the one thing you need is not a million bucks. It's not a vacation. It's not world peace. No, it's Jesus. Because for all the chaos that you feel in your life, in some way, shape, or form, it comes back to sin. Because, and I'll point this out shortly, sin impacts every aspect of our lives. And that's why he sent his son. 
That's why you don't see in the manger a million bucks. That's why you don't see in the manger carnival cruise tickets for two. Because what we need is hope. We need an answer. We need a solution to this huge gap that separates us from God. And that solution was found in Jesus. Emmanuel. God with us. Christmas isn't... (laughs) Christmas isn't about the warm fuzzies. It's not about the Hallmark movies or eggnog. Actually, do you know what eggnog is in French? See, I hear, I hear laughter. It sounds like it's awkward, nervous laughter. But eggnog in French is lait de poulet. That's chicken milk. <laughs> Show of hands, who, who likes chicken milk? All right, we, we need to get some intercessory prayer for these people. We, like, this, this is my prayer for you for 2023, that the Lord would change your palate. <laughs> no, Christmas is about how a loving God broke into the darkness and sent the dawn from on high, Luke 1, verse 79. That's his son, to shine light on those living in the darkness and in the shadow of death. That's what Christmas is about. And 2,000 years ago, the Father gave us that gift, the dawn from on high, his son, Jesus. You know, just a few moments ago, I, I asked you, if you could ask God for one thing this Christmas, what would it be? But let me just change it up for a second, right? If you could give God one thing, what would it be? Anything. I mean, what do you give to the one who, who has everything and needs nothing? Righteousness. That's what God ultimately requires of us. Perfect righteousness. Like when we, if you look at the dictionary at the term righteousness, you'll see some sort of Uh, blasé description uh, that righteousness is this behavioral, moral, or justifiable way of approaching life. But when we talk about righteousness from God's perspective, I'm talking about nothing less than God's own perfection in all times, in all situations, in all things. That's the standard. That's the bar. That's what God requires in speech, in thought, in action, in deed, in behavior, in response, in worship, in devotion, in everything. And I don't know about you, but that feels like an impossible standard to reach. Because sin impacts every single aspect of our lives, our speech, our thoughts, our actions, our deeds, our behavior, our response, our worship, and our devotion to God. But God, Ephesians 2, he gave us his son, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. He did what we could never do in his birth, in his life, in his death, he perfectly reflected and obeyed and devoted his entire life to God. In him was no sin. In him was no disobedience, only perfect, complete, unmitigated righteousness. He was perfectly righteous in speech, in thought, in action, in deed, in behavior, in response, in worship, in devotion, in everything. 
That's what the Father wants. And this is what pleased the Father. So much so that the Apostle Paul in Philippians 2, he writes how God highly exalted him, that is Jesus, and gave him the name that is above every other name, so that the name of Jesus, every tongue would confess and knee would bow, that he is Lord. Paul goes on a bit later in Philippians, and he talks about how Christ was obedient to death, even death on a cross. His blood was spilled. He became sin, who knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. That child that God gave us, this child born in a manger, laid in a feeding trough, was born to live the perfect life, to be the perfect sacrifice, to demonstrate perfect righteousness and live in perfect obedience. And I love how Rico Tice puts it in his little small Christmas book called A Very Different Christmas. This is what he says. He says, people, not, uh, sorry, people may not care about righteousness, but God the Father does. It's why his son's gift in the, in, the, in the perfect present for the one who has everything. Because righteousness matters to him. And the only righteousness that matters is Christ's. Church, we will never stand before God in our own effort. This is why Jesus is the perfect Savior. Because we can't come before God on our own righteousness, on our own efforts, and our own strength. We need, we need Jesus. As the song says, we need him. Oh, how we need him. Before a holy God, and I want you to hear me when I say this, you will not get a pass by leaning on your religion, on your family traditions, on your family history, your church attendance, how much tithes and offerings you gave this year, or even for the fact that you are sitting here today. That will not be enough. Only Jesus and his righteousness is enough. And this was the perfect gift that he gave over 2,000 years ago. And it's not just a gift to the Father. That was a gift to us as well. It was a gift to us. You know, my all-time favorite movie is The Matrix. Except number four, that was a bit of a dud. Yeah. But I love The Matrix, it's so thought-provoking. I mean, what is The Matrix? As the movie progresses, the main character, Neo, he, he gets caught up in, in trying to answer that question, and he meets up with Morpheus, and he slowly learns that reality, or the matrix, isn't what it seems. And when Neo finally comes before Morpheus, he's presented with a red pill and a blue pill. If he takes the blue pill, life goes on, like nothing happened. The events of that day, not, it, it's just, it, life carries on. But if he takes the red pill, he sees reality for what it is. Death, destruction, pain, suffering, fear, depravity. Now, spoiler alert, you've had 20 years to watch The Matrix. Neo takes the red pill. But it does beg the question, what is reality? Now, I'm not saying that we live in a computer simulation or we're all elements in a computer program. That's, that's not what I'm saying, just for the record. But what I am saying is this. The truth of the gospel 
as the Holy Spirit reveals it through the Word of God, portrays reality for what it actually is. That's the Spirit's gift to us, a reality check. And I think Zechariah in Luke 1, verse 79, he does a bang-up job describing what reality is like. It's darkness. It's the shadow of death. It's, it's chaos. It's disorder. It's a world wrecked with sin. That's the reality. Church, there's nothing in all creation that isn't impacted by sin. And yet in verse 79, we get this amazing promise as well. The light is coming. The light came. He dwelt among us. The darkness could not overtake him. That's what Christmas is about, church. The dawn from on high came and shined light on us. That's why we celebrate Christmas. That's the message we proclaim. That's the message the Spirit convicts the world of. And that's the message that we celebrate on Christmas. John 16, verse 8. When he comes, when the Spirit comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. My friends, that's the reality check that the Spirit gives us. He gives us the conviction of sin, our need for righteousness, and an inescapable judgment. As I mentioned before, sin, oh, sin affects everything we do. You know, a couple of months back, uh, I was sat down uh, with, with, a, with a crowd at mile one, and Steve Dodd, brother Steve, mentioned something that has just, I can't, I can't not think about it. You know, we were talking about the greatest commandment, you know, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And, and Steve said this, man, this is, this is great. In a moment of humility and honesty, sorry, brother, I should have run this by you first, but it's all good, it's all good. He said, there hasn't been a single nanosecond in my entire life when I have done that perfectly. And yet this is what God requires of me. To love him with all of my heart, mind, body, soul, and strength every nanosecond. That was the spirit convicting Steve and me, and us, that before a holy God, we fall terribly, terribly short. And you know, one of the things at mile one that I absolutely love is how everyone is held accountable for sin. Legit, everyone. Quite often we say to each other, I'm gonna tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. And honestly, that's what the Spirit does for us. He tells the world what it needs to hear. This world is soaked in sin. You struggle with sin. It impacts everything, but he doesn't leave it there. No, no. He doesn't leave it there. There's hope. <laughs> There's hope. I love how Leon Morris describes it. He says, The Spirit shows people, and no one else can do this, that righteousness is not the thing they think it is. Righteousness before God depends not on their own efforts, but on Christ's atoning work for them, or how Greg Gilbert puts it in his book, What is the Gospel? He says, What will we say before the bar of God's judgment? Only one thing Christ died in my place. That's the gospel. 
It's his work, his sacrifice, his righteousness. Because before the bar of God's judgment, we, we, <laughs> we need Jesus. We, we need him. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Because there is hope. There is peace. Because if you take Christ out of Christmas, there's no forgiveness for sin. There's no reconciliation with God. There's no hope or assurance. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. If you take Christ out of Christmas, we are all still walking in darkness and in the shadow of death. Without Christ, there's only wrath and judgment. And I know this is Christmas, and you might be thinking, Matt, come on. <laughs> like, it's Christmas. I don't want to hear about judgment. And I would say, yes, it is Christmas. But this is why we celebrate it. Jesus was born to die for the sins of the world, to be that sacrifice for us, that those who put their faith in him will not encounter God as judge, but as father. This is the gift. This is the reality check that the Spirit gives us. <sighs> Praise Jesus. And so just as I finish up here, I just want to ask you one question. The Father gave, him, gave us himself. The Son gave of himself. And the Spirit reveals a reality apart from himself. So what are you going to do with these gifts? Hmm? What do you do with them? Don't let this day pass by without looking upon what happened 2,000 years ago. Don't let this day pass you by without wrestling with the significance of of God coming, Emmanuel, with us. Of the Son of God dying on behalf and for us. And the Spirit revealing that we live in a sin-soaked world. We need righteousness. We need Christ's righteousness. Because a light came 2,000 years ago. It did. To give us hope, to give us peace, and to give us purpose. Jesus is the reason for the season. He's the reason why we celebrate Christmas. He came to die. He was born to bring order into the chaos, if I could say it like that. And he's doing just that. And so, as I end off, end off here, and as we go about our day, whatever is before you, whatever lies ahead of you, remember, Christ said, behold, I'm making all things new. 2,000 years ago, the Father gave us a reason to sing joy to the world. Because he is God. He is with us. And we are not alone. He knows your hurts. He knows your pains. He knows your struggles. He knows your anxieties. He knows the depths of your despair. He knows your fears. But he says, come to me. Come because I am making all things new. So what are you going to do with these gifts? Look to him who says come. Trust in the one who paid it all. Bring everything to him. Because behold, he is making all things new. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, your goodness 
It's more than my mind can comprehend. Lord, you have been so good to us. You have blessed us beyond measure. Lord, thank you for sending your son 2,000 years ago to live among us, to dwell among us, that we might call you Emmanuel, for you are truly with us. Let us never forget this reality, Lord. We, we don't celebrate Christmas because of the warm fuzzies. The reality is much more serious. Lord, I pray that you would work in our city today to convict our city of sin, convict us in here of sin, and our need for a righteous, perfect Savior. All glory and honor be given to you, Lord Jesus. I ask all this in your name. Amen.